five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast in partnership with Kidney Care UK, sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love. Hi, and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. My name is Dee Moore, and I am a stage four kidney warrior. This podcast is dedicated to encourage, educate, and inspire as we explore all aspects of kidney disease, chronic illnesses, and health. If you have any questions or ideas for topics you would like me to cover, please get in contact with me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. In today's episode, I am bringing you a kidney warrior story. Now there's always something you can learn from someone's story, something that can bring inspiration and hope. My guest today from Belfast, Northern Ireland is Megan Kearns. Megan is a 25-year-old organ donation promoter and blogger. She was diagnosed with end-stage renal failure at the young age of five and got the call for a kidney transplant on her 12th birthday. She has overcome several struggles since then, including unknown sepsis. But she has used these experiences to create a determination to spread awareness of chronic kidney disease and promote organ donation. She has graduated university with a degree in pharmaceutical sciences and hopes to use it to improve the lives of those with chronic illnesses. Hi and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior, the podcast. How are you doing today, Megan? I'm good, thank you. And welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to be interviewing you today. And as everyone knows, I always enjoy interviewing kidney warriors because I really do believe that hearing someone's lived experience is so powerful. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I couldn't agree with you more there. So my first question is, how did your kidney warrior journey begin and how were you diagnosed? My journey happened quite suddenly. I was taken to the GP for several weeks by my parents when I was five. They sent me to the GP because the big thing for them was that I was really tired and lethargic, fatigued all the time. The likes of getting dressed for school, I couldn't do that. My mum had to dress me in bed in the morning and simple things like that that shouldn't be a problem I couldn't do I slept in the car when we went on journeys and little things like that and it wasn't until a locum GP ended up doing bloods and they sent us to the pediatric unit at our local hospital because my hemoglobin was so low and that hospital again sent me home with constipation but they had done a full blood picture. So we got a call that evening to go to the Royal Victoria Hospital for children in Belfast. And I was taken there and put into a side room and they had wanted to speak to my mum and dad in a room on their own, but my mum didn't want to leave me. So my aunt came up and my parents were then taken to a room to speak with a consultant and they were told that I was in complete renal failure that I needed to be on dialysis ASAP but basically to be prepared for the worst because things had gone on so long and that was basically how I was diagnosed. 
Wow, that must have been a real shock to yourself and to your family. I mean, at such a young age, did you have any understanding or idea of your situation? What were your thoughts at that time? You knew something wasn't quite right in the sense of you were taken to the doctor a lot. And then obviously when I ended up in the hospital, all I can really remember from that day was being taken into the Royal, though I was in Musgrove Ward was where I was admitted. And I slept the full car journey there. And I was in the ward being carried over my dad's shoulder and they had like hanging decorations from the ceiling. And I remember looking at them and threw them at the door and the door just got further and further away. And that's kind of all I really remember about that day when we got the official diagnosis. So how long after getting the diagnosis did you start dialysis? My consultant wanted me to be on dialysis basically then and there, but because I was so ill, the anaesthetist kept refusing to take me to theatre because they didn't want me to basically die on the table in so many words. I had had a blood transfusion and a calcium drip and other treatments to try and get my blood levels up. And it was on the third day after I was admitted that my consultant basically said, This is a now or never moment. We need to do something for this child. And I was on a calcium drip on the way down to theatre. And thankfully, it brought some of my levels up. Um, When I was admitted, my hemoglobin was 42. So that shows you what my levels actually were. Um, It's the one figure that I can always remember. And I was then taken on the third day, basically due to my consultant not taking no for an answer. And I was on dialysis for 24 hours at the beginning. And then that decreased until 12 hours every night. I was put on PD dialysis. And how was the process of dialysis for you at that time? My mother was very good. She became my carer. And she stayed in the hospital with me. She actually slept on the chair beside me. She didn't leave my side. My parents were told that they couldn't have kids. And they were actually meant to go for IVF in the month that I was born. So from day one, I was kind of that miracle baby in so many ways. And me and my mom have always been very close, especially because she's always been the one by my side throughout my entire kidney journey. And She learned how to do the dialysis and all when I was in hospital at the beginning and took control of all of that, the likes of cleaning the site and everything. I gained understanding of the procedures of the dialysis machine and why it needed to be done and the likes of the simple bedding and water routine of cleaning the site. I liked to know what even the nurses and doctors were doing to me and why it needed to be done. I have a very scientific mindset and I think that's helped me throughout my journey. The dialysis kind of became my lifestyle back then and you didn't have the choice to not adapt to what was going on. Obviously that did take time but especially because I was on it for so long at the beginning because I was so ill. I slept a lot of that time 
and don't have a lot of memories of it. Um, I think in a weird way that might be beneficial because it takes away part of that trauma nearly associated with all of that. Whereas I have memories of being on dialysis at home a lot more. And I think from that also, because it's in your own environment as well, it's not in a hospital, it nearly makes it easier to cope with because you're in your own surroundings and you nearly have control over it in a certain way. I did adapt quite quickly, as I've said, but I think that's through also learning the processes of it and wanting to know why it needed to be done, that I knew that it was to benefit me and help me, basically, and that was a big part of me accepting what was going on. And what would you say for you were the benefits of having dialysis? For me, especially having pertinent dialysis instead of hemo, it allowed me to have a better routine, in my opinion. Obviously, with hemo, you're dialyzed usually three or four times a week, whereas I was being dialyzed every night. So because of that, I found that I had that little bit more energy and things like that. I was on hemo for a short stint when I had peritonitis once. And I didn't like the central line associated because I was on it because I had peritonitis. I didn't have, thankfully, a fistula or anything like that. It was a temporary central line. And I just found that really uncomfortable as well. The likes of with the PD, I was able to get up in the morning and go to school and kind of have a regular routine. My mother was very good of being sure that routine was kept. The likes of I went on dialysis at half six every night and half six if the phone rang or if people wanted to arrange anything the likes of coming around to the house for dinner that it wasn't allowed because mum didn't think it was fair for me to be upstairs attached to a dialysis machine and then be downstairs with people that she had a lot of compassion that way of how I would feel and things like that helped me cope with it all a lot better as well. I think even the likes of not missing as much school for having to go to the hospital for hemo was something that I liked because when I was on hemo, the likes of people would ask, you know, other pupils, where are you going? And at that age, explaining because you are a child to another child what you're actually having to go through is very difficult because I grew up very quickly because of what was going on and I struggled at times to explain to friends and other classmates what was going on because I had a more mature mindset in those areas because obviously likes of with the dialysis the catheter you know you have to learn to keep that clean with the likes of the PD catheter not to submerge it in water and simple things like that I grew up very quickly because of that and in ways it has been great for me because it means that I took over the likes of the growth hormone and apo injections and things like that myself and allowed me to take more control over my treatment but in other ways it meant I wasn't able to be a child. So you said that you felt like you weren't able to be a child in that way so How did that impact your relationships with children your own age or your childhood in general? Pre-transplant, 
it was in a weird way easier I don't want to say the like so if you were getting changed for PE and things like that they would have pointed out the catheter and been like what's that and you nearly learned to just be like that's something I need to keep me okay because saying everything that was going on they wouldn't understand but when I was transplanted at 12 things became more difficult in the sense of I was bullied a lot for having the round face from steroids and things like that I found it difficult to form friendships with people because I either was bullied by people or they didn't understand what was going on and I think because as a child before my transplant I knew they wouldn't understand whereas when I became a teenager where I thought people maybe would have had a bit more empathy and mm. instead I got the opposite of that I was mistreated and bullied I really struggled with that even now I don't really have many friends people I think especially when you're transplanted they think you're okay and they can't quite comprehend that you still have struggles that you're going through and the likes of medications you have to take and other things you have to consider that I have found it has impacted relationships quite a lot now I'm very grateful for my fiance has actually had some kidney issues in the past and from that he said he can't imagine what I went through he actually had a blockage and he was urology not nephrology but he is had his own experience and from that he's been able to understand to an extent what kidney warriors go through and what I have gone through and I know that has been a big part for our relationship and has been able to allow me to trust him and be able to open up to him more because he didn't know me pre-transplant as a child he didn't know some of the setbacks I went through post-transplant and he has been a lot more open to hearing them and not being I don't want to say the word critical because that isn't quite the right but less understanding is where others have been in comparison to him and that is one thing I'm very grateful for. So you've faced many many challenges when it comes to overcoming other people's negative attitudes and being unsupportive but it's so good to hear that starting with your mom and your dad and now your life as an adult with your fiance that you do have that support and people around you helping you and supporting you along this journey so rewinding slightly so you mentioned that you went on to have a kidney transplant so how did that come about So it was actually on my 12th birthday, my parents got the call that there was the possibility of a kidney for me the early hours of that morning. And my cousin was actually staying with us at the time. My mum's extended family, we're all very close and they have been a big part of my support system throughout everything as well. And the three of them came up into my bedroom in the morning I think it was around nine o'clock and I was still on dialysis because 
another girl in my class had the same birthday as me and she had had a sleepover party. Now I couldn't sleep over because of the dialysis, but I had stayed past that normal routine of half six on dialysis. And my mom turned to me and said, if there was anything you would want for your birthday, what could it be? Now, at this point, I had waited nearly seven years for a transplant. My automatic reaction was, I want a kidney. But when you wait it so long, you nearly don't know when it's going to happen. Or there is that question of, is it going to happen? But I had these three faces looking at me and couldn't think of anything else. So (laughs) I just went and said, a kidney. Um, My mom looked at me with the tears starting to run down her face and said, today you're going to get your kidney. So dialysis finished. We went up to the hospital. I was put back on dialysis. They had done their usual blood tests, you know, tissue tests, all of the usual that they have to do before the transplant. And it wasn't until 20 past midnight the next day I then went into theatre. Wow. So that really was the most amazing birthday present ever. Yeah, I would say it's the best birthday present I've ever got. (laughs) So how was your recovery after having the transplant? I recovered really well and it's something that I am very grateful for. When I was in ICU a couple of days after the transplant, I wanted food. I think I see you nurses weren't really they didn't like know how to order food from the canteen because they didn't have to do that for patients because obviously if you're in ICU there's a reason you're in ICU and the patients aren't really normally having an appetite and I got food down from the canteen eventually and there was the joke about that and I ended up actually out of ICU I think it was in five days And they didn't actually have a renal nurse on the ward because as I was in children's, the process of moving you from ICU onto the ward and from the ward home is that bit longer. And it's normally a week or two that you're in ICU. So they didn't actually have a renal nurse on the ward that night. Now, I think one of the renal nurses actually stayed past her shift. And I was then in the ward and was discharge within two weeks but in children they had it that you had to have three months of isolation so I had 10 weeks at home whereas in comparison you know you're normally in ICU a week or two you may be on the ward for a month so by Mm. that time you've nearly half of it done whereas because I was out so quickly and it was the running joke among consultants that I was trying to break a record (laughs) yeah I I was likes of the side room that I was in I was up you know walking about it because I had all this energy that I didn't have before trying to use some of it up and I am very very blessed to have had such a good recovery process after the operation so you mentioned that you had this new energy after your transplant so What were the other benefits that you felt after receiving your transplant? The big thing for me was not being connected to this machine every night. You know, I would nearly always use the word I gained 
freedom and a second chance at life because I was still a kid. I used to run from bed to bed at night because I was never able to do that before. The likes of even just trying all of these different foods that I wasn't able to have pre-transplant. And now that I have grown up, I've been able to see the world in so many ways. You know, I've always wanted to travel and we'd never done that because obviously when leave the UK I would have been taken off the transplant list because I wasn't that's the way they had it in children's and I didn't know that and that's why then we didn't leave UK we would have went from NI to England the odd time but we took all of the solution in the dialysis machine in my dad's van going over and drove then from the port to wherever we were going but obviously that took a lot of effort and planning and things like that and my parents were good to organize that every kind of few years to give me some form of a holiday we had a caravan up at the coast to kind of be able to go and have a break but since my transplant I've been to see family that I have over in Canada I went to Disneyland Paris I have been to the Christmas markets in Vienna and I never would have dreamed of that before, the likes of places I wanted to go and be able to tick off my bucket list and things like that, even just the likes of being able to have the energy to take part in sports and simple things like that, that your life nearly does a 180 in so many ways because the restrictions nearly then they're gone and become new experiences. and it's difficult in ways times for me to put it into words because it was my second chance at life I've been able to go to university and get my degree and yes I could have done that if I was on dialysis but it would have been much more difficult and I don't know how well I would have coped with the workload and dealing with the constant medications and dialysis and all of that whereas now I take my immunosuppressants twice a day I don't have to keep a track of the time for when I have to take medicines. I put an alarm on my phone and know roughly near the time to keep an eye on it rather than constantly monitoring it to take medication six or seven times a day. And even the likes of not being thirsty anymore from the fluid restrictions, I've gone from being allowed 750 mils a day to I would drink around the three liter mark and I'm not thirsty anymore. And simple things like that that people will probably take for granted, you know, that to have the ability to not have to deal with them anymore is great. So that's a life-changing difference. I mean, you mentioned before about not being able to travel abroad when you were a child because you'd be taken off the transplant list. I didn't know that that was actually the case. So to go from being restricted well, that's a, that's a real big restriction to them literally having the world as your oyster. That's a massive difference. And then to hear all the other differences in terms of fluids and foods and just that sense of freedom, that really is amazing. So out of the foods that you weren't able to eat before, what would you say was your favorite forbidden food, so to speak, that you were now allowed to eat? Probably sounds silly, but I love a banana now. 
my taste buds actually changed post-transplant in a weird way that things I used to not like before I was diagnosed and then I wasn't allowed once I was transplanted some of them I liked the likes of a banana I would have banana in my porridge nearly every morning or my staple bake is a banana bread Um, (laughs) and I think it's even simple things like being able to go out and just order off a menu yes like that that I like and I love my chicken it probably sounds silly but obviously pre-transplant you have to careful of your protein intake and you're only allowed so much you know meat and things like that now I am careful of my protein intake and especially with training and that I know my limits of what I can eat and it's one thing that I encourage other patients to get nearly in tune with their own body and know what they can and can't have the likes of there's some patients that their body can deal with a slightly higher protein intake than others in that um I think it's even just simple things as well as ordering a takeaway I love pizza and obviously with the cheese and that before I had to be careful so that's one kind of treat food that I love that I couldn't have had before as well so there is a list of a few but they're kind of the the ones I always would go back to. So you went on to university and I understand that you faced some challenges while at uni. So tell me about that. So I done a science degree while at university and that came with its own challenges of things like labs were microbiology labs in some cases and other ones were dealing with chemicals that may have been harmful to kidneys and having to go through the university support system and trying and get them to understand why I needed extra support because I didn't look like there was anything wrong with me in that and it was simple things like I had to flag up labs and things like that with them and there was in my final year each time I flagged up an issue it had to go through occupational health and by the time occupational health had came to their resolution the labs for the year had actually finished but labs were compulsory so I had to go to them and we didn't know what we were going into for certain labs so I didn't really relax until I knew that I was safe like so there was certain labs we had to go in and it was simple things like the dissolution of tablets and they were just over the counter prescription tablets you were working with but there was other wet chemistry labs and things like that that I was a wee bit more anxious about. So what are labs? So labs are practical classes that you go in and you complete an experiment of some form and depending on the module depend what that is we had ones where it was to do with the human body and simple things like we checked our blood pressure and we done our glucose levels the way you know a diabetic person would check them and simple things like that I was absolutely fine with then there was chemistry labs where in one of them we made paracetamol tablets and then there was 
the microbiology labs, which was what I was always concerned about with being on the immunosuppressant, that you were dealing with bacteria in and microbes, etc. Um, right. That depending on the module, depending on what you were doing, but in essence, it is a practical experiment you carried out to support your learning. The likes of some of them were doing different analytical techniques as well and testing the likes of the content of a tablet was it pure and things like that so whilst doing these labs you were saying that you were potentially being put around chemicals and in a position that were actually dangerous to your kidneys but You had to be referred for occupational health, but that took so long that actually you were still doing the class without getting the correct protection or support that you needed for that. Well, in first year in university, I flagged up the microbiology labs and they were very good in accepting that I should be in those conditions. And the lecturer actually did a one-on-one with me of the techniques in the labs but using like sort of colored solutions and little things like that rather than the actual bacteria but in my final year I actually had to take a temporary leave the year prior when I was meant to be on placement because I had unknown sepsis and the first week of that final year I actually missed because I ended up in hospital again and had to have IV antibiotics and that and from that because I didn't know where that came from I was very very anxious of being in anywhere that could have put me in danger and the microbiology lab in final year it was accepted that I wouldn't go into but I had to do the report like everybody else and then I wanted other labs to also be checked and confirmed because some of the experiments that I was doing were in the same labs that the microbiology labs would have occurred in. Now labs are meant to be cleaned down and disinfected, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, but obviously I would be at greater risk compared to other students. And all I wanted was the confirmation that I was safe in these labs and any chemicals or anything that I was dealing with would not be harmful to me or my kidney. I basically wanted a hazard report done in so many words and was told that that is the case and should have been done and be done for my labs. But occupational health, I had several meetings with them and they kept sending back what they thought was suitable and I ended up kept being referred back to occupational health and by the time that a decision was made the labs had actually finished I kept being changed through the doctor that I was seeing in occupational health because people left and new people came in that meant that I wasn't seeing the same person each time that then created confusion as well in that that I was in labs that I didn't know what I was dealing with until I got there as well that helped cause then anxiety because obviously I didn't know was I going to be safe or not and as I said 
when I got into a lab and I knew what I was working with at times that went because I knew I was safe but because of the circumstances that I had been in prior the likes of because of the sepsis I had to have a nephrostomy done on my kidney and things like that and I had already had to have a year out because of it as well for university that I didn't want to be put back again because of something that might happen that I was just looking for reassurance that I was going to be okay and unfortunately I didn't receive that. So that was a really challenging time and experience for yourself and really you had to keep asking the questions and push through and not being able to get the answers that you were looking for must have been really, really difficult. And it really just goes to show your strength of character to keep pushing through, to keep asking those questions and to keep fighting for your health. So it really is a credit to you that you kept going and that you carried on fighting. Thank you for that. It's one of those of I lost a bit of weight and my parents were concerned that actually my father ended up going into the university on my behalf because he's seen the effect that it was having on me and basically wanted it resolved as soon as possible and I know that was a big help in getting things moved forward it was that of as well because he had seen before the effects of I lived in halls in first year and things weren't kept clean from other people the likes of the communal areas and things like that I end up keeping my food and all my cutlery and cooking utensils etc in my room and he's seen how you know that had upset me and took effect on me and little things like that that was outside of the academia side of university had and he saw that you know throughout my whole university time wasn't a great time for me through dealing with different things both in and out of university and we all wanted it to nearly just come to an end and be able to have my degree completed that I could start a new chapter in my life as such. So with everything that you've been through, the challenges that you faced in your childhood and the challenges that you faced at university, what advice would you give to a young person who has just been diagnosed with kidney disease? The thing I would always say is don't compare yourself to anybody else. First off, it's like, so as I said, I had sepsis during my degree so it took me longer to graduate than everybody else in my year and if I compared that to them then it would seem like less than of achievement but instead I was able to graduate despite all of that the likes of you know you're not going to have an easy journey kidney disease is not something that is easy to go through and it's why I have a lot of respect for many other kidney warriors and really find it fascinating hearing their stories and you know what they've been through because no kidney story is the same and is that of focus on what you're going through the likes of other things or try and find some form of a little bit of joy in every day may that be something as simple of I'm here today 
I have a new day because it is tough to deal with both mentally and physically and you have to try and remain positive and then anybody that was in my situation at university that is planning on doing the likes of a science degree because there is labs and practical things that I didn't know before I started what I was in for as such but I would always advise to ask questions up front you know find out what the labs are I thought when I started that I was going to be told these things and I wasn't you have the choice to be able to ask those questions and get control of what's going on it was one thing that I personally regret and that also comes into your own treatment and things like that if you don't understand what's going on or why doctors are doing something ask them a question like so when I was going through different treatment I always asked them what it was and why they were doing it and how it would be done in so many ways now I was not told the full scientific explanation of everything but obviously simple things like when I had the peritonitis that I was going into surgery to have the PD catheter removed and a hemoline put in that was going to be temporary that I could then have the hemodialysis while the infection cleared up and that was enough for me but I knew what was happening and why it was happening that provides understanding and that is something that I think is very important in a journey is to understand why you're going through these things in a medical perspective. That is really good advice. Thank you. What myths about kidney disease would you like to debunk? I think the big thing is for me, because you have kidney disease, people think that you can't do anything, that you're not I don't want to say they were not well enough because that's not quite the right phrasing, but, you know, you are still a human being. At the end of the day, you still have goals and dreams that you want to achieve and you can achieve in that and don't cut yourself short because of your circumstances. That goes for anything in life, not just kidney disease. And I think the other one is that a lot of people think that it generally affects older generations. Whereas I'm here at 25, I was diagnosed at five, transplanted at the age of 12. And I know so many others that stories started from birth, you know, and it does affect a lot more people of a younger age than you think. I spoke yesterday with three girls aged 23 to 25 who have all had transplants. And I think the other thing is also is people always have said to me, you're transplanted, you're okay. Transplant's not a cure, unfortunately. It is an amazing gift and something that I am so thankful for and so blessed to have been able to have my kidney. But there's still struggles that we have to go through and the quality of life is so much better. As I've said before, the things that I was able to do because of my transplant. And again, I say I'm grateful for them, but unfortunately it's not a cure and there is no cure at the minute and I think that's something not many people know or understand as well absolutely I think 
many people think that you have a transplant and that's it. You go off into the sunset, not realizing that, like you said, it's an amazing form of treatment, but it isn't a cure. So thank you for those. Do you have a final word of encouragement or advice for the young listeners out there? In simple words, just keep going. There's days that may feel like it's never going to end, and then there's some days that are really easy, but it is that of you just have to keep pushing through. There's been many times I felt like giving up, and if I had of, I wouldn't be here now. You know, in simple terms, that just keep pushing through, and you might not think that you have it in you, but you definitely do. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story with me and for sharing such amazing advice and busting through some of those myths about kidney disease. So thank you so much for your time and for sharing all of this amazing advice and your story with me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. And don't forget that you can contact me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Please do subscribe to the podcast and please do tell a friend. New episodes of this podcast are released every other Monday. Until next time, take care and choose to live. Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Sharing faith, knowledge, hope and love.